Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. From the Fox News Podcast Network, I'm Dana Perino, and everything will be okay. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Everything Will Be Okay. This week, I'm joined by a stellar corporate strategy and executive coaching expert who has decades of experience advising corporate talent of all ages and at all sorts of companies. Reagan Cuccinelle is the Chief People and Productivity Officer for Osprey Funds and has a very impressive resume in finance and corporate strategy. She is a corporate coaching powerhouse. I'm thrilled to have Reagan here and pick her brain on tips and advice she can offer, whether you're just entering a corporate workplace environment or adjusting to the changes in workplace culture that have come following the pandemic. Reagan, welcome, and thank you so much for your time. I'd like to start off by asking about your early life. Uh, Where did you grow up? What did you think you wanted to do? And how does that match or not what you're doing today? So I grew up on the East Coast, um, primarily in Connecticut, the few short years, um, early years down in Texas. And um, I really at an early age was really interested in like how people operate Um, and thinking about coming on. I was sort of reflecting back. And one of my favorite books as a kid was this book, Harriet the Spot. Oh, yeah. And in the book, she goes through and she writes in her notebook about all of everybody around her and she gets busted and it's heart wrenching and the whole thing. But the idea of sort of like looking across the aisle and thinking about what makes people tick and why they do what they do was always sort of an interest to me. And so um, I sort of in, you know, my college years studied psychology. I spent a good deal of time actually with a focus on neuroscience. And ultimately, like that's sort of come full circle with where I am today. So why don't you tell people where you are today, a little bit about what you do and your current role. So um, in my current role, I'm the chief people and productivity officer for Osprey Funds, which is um, a crypto fund um, investment manager, producer of products. And um, in that role, I basically bring together two things, which is both, you know, how you get the best talent, how you maintain your best talent, and then how you make them productive. Um, And that's what I think is really important and sort of part of this new future of work that we learned about from the pandemic, which is like we have to really think about how our employees do work, both from a technology perspective and then also from, um, you know, an engagement and bringing their whole you know self to the office. So, yes, and I want to get into that, too. I do want to ask you about um, Bridgewater, which people might be a little bit more familiar with um, in the world of finance. Obviously, it's a giant and you were there. And I'm just curious, well, what is it like billions? <laughs> no, you know, everything you <laughs> see on TV, everything you see on TV is made for for TV and, and the and the entertainment of it. Um, I was at Bridgewater for 16 years and, you know, like any place that you're at for that long a period of time. Um, I had my ups and downs. I had my good times and, you know, my sort of harder times. 
But Nat, you know, learned a lot and have a lot of appreciation for some of the elements of um, the culture and the way that, um, you know, Bridgewater operates. And then I also, you know, like anything, have have my opinions to the other side. Um, but Nat, you know, really felt like I left um, at, at with a lot of sort of positive, um, you know, influences um, and great relationships and wonderful people there. So uh, I have a question. So in the pandemic, where were you or did you make this transition during the pandemic? No. So I was um, at Bridgewater during the tra- uh, during the pandemic. I left um, about a year ago. It was almost June of 2021. Yeah, that's interesting because it was such an interesting time to go all of a sudden have like this forced experiment put upon everybody. Um, but before we get more into the pandemic aspect of it, I, I am curious about your as a people officer, how do you think about mentors and finding a mentor? I am of the mind that you can have a formal mentor relationship, but it's not necessary to have one. That, they, that there are lots of ways to have informal mentors along the way. And wonder about as you've had your career success, how do you think about mentorship? Um, you know, it's it's a great topic. I I tend to agree with you, Dana. Like I think of mentors as great sort of like additional people that can help you through your your journey of your career. Um, the people who had the most or have the most impact on someone in their career is actually a sponsor, which is a little bit different than a mentor. Um, a sponsor is someone who at your firm actively takes a role and basically helps you navigate through what getting to the next level looks like. And sponsors are few and far between. You know, I can say I had um for a short period of time, I felt like I had a sponsor when I was at Bridgewater, but for many years, I didn't. I had to figure it out myself, and I developed, and one of the things I was thinking about was this idea of community, um, of, and that each employee needs to think about their community at their at their company, and what that means is you have your friends that you know are, are your close colleagues or somebody else, but then you also want to think about the people that you want to get to know or that you do know. Um, you know, at the company that can help you make, you know, sense of hard times or sense of struggles um, or can give you the feedback that you need. And that could be a mentor, but it doesn't have to be. Um, I don't think it needs to have a formal title on it. I think more the most important thing is just really getting out there and talking to a variety of people. Yes. Um, one of the things I say is like if you admire, some, you can admire somebody from afar and has a, have that be a mentor. But the interesting thing about what you just said about sponsorship are more and more companies trying to go to that model and if you are a sponsor, are you evaluated in terms of your performance as to how you help somebody that you're supposed to be sponsoring? Um, you know, I think it's going to depend. Like anything, it's going to vary company by company. Um, and companies may call it different, you know, put different labels on it. But what it is, is it's the active identification of people that are up and coming um, and then the active engagement, whether it's including, you know, executive coaches or other executives at the firm to creating a program, you know, to help that person basically succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be really beneficial, you know, when you think about it. But what it requires from the company is an active understanding of who their workforce is, um, you know, and the productivity and, and where their 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 future stars are. Um, which can often require an investment in, you know, quantitative and qualitative data and analytics. How interesting is it for you to go from Bridgewater, where we're talking in sort of more traditional money, as we all understand it, to the world of crypto, which I have to tell you, I read a lot about it. I listen to podcasts about it. it. It doesn't penetrate my brain. I cannot figure it out. I feel a little bit lost when it comes to that, but 
for you, as you're trying to find people that want to work in that area, it must be pretty exciting because it does seem like the new frontier, but that I personally feel left behind. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, you know, it's, it's been really exciting and it's been, um, a fantastic change. I work, you know, I'm very lucky to work with some of the the best and the brightest who have been at this for, you know, 20 plus years. Um, you know, Greg King is, is the CEO of the fund. Um, and so what's, what's most exciting about it though, is just the idea that it is a new frontier, right. And that you have to, in some ways, the process I've gone through to wrap my head around it has been to let go of all my constructive beliefs and be open to things that don't really make sense on the surface. Um, and then, you know, basically looking at how that, and again, I, I go back to this often and I apologize for repeating myself. No, like, it's fine. What, what's the data telling us, right? Okay. Like people can talk about, you know, all sorts of different trends and this and that, but if, you know, if you sit down and you break down what a blockchain is, like, what is the data saying that helps understand that? Like, is this something that I can wrap my head around or not? And then what are the questions I have? Right. I feel like part of what we don't do enough and, you know, to go back a step, what we need to do more in organizations is really encourage people to ask questions, um, you know, to say, hey, this doesn't make sense to me. Can you mm-hmm. ex- can you explain it out? Um, because it's hard to sometimes just read a few articles or listen to, you know, a podcast or listen to something else and, and have it make sense. Yes. I remember um, my husband and I listened to this one podcast for it was about 40 minutes and we were driving and the podcast ended just as we were coming out of the Lincoln Tunnel in Manhattan. And I said, did you understand any of that? And he said, nope. I'm like, OK. <laughs> then I didn't feel so bad, but I keep persevering and I, I will try. And I'm, I'm actually not afraid to ask the questions or even to admit here to everybody that, you know, I'm. I mostly follow politics. And so I'm watching a lot of these races across the country. And I came across one in Oregon where it's a, it's a primary fight between two Democrats and crypto is heavily involved as in terms of the fundraising and the policy debates and the conversations. And then in, from my home state of Wyoming, my, uh, the, my, not my Senator, of course I live in New York, but uh, the Senator there, she's Cynthia Lummis. She's very, uh, much a proponent of crypto and a champion for it. So I'm wondering then in the new work environment, either for the company that you have, or if you if you were to give advice for both sides of this equation of the new work environment, um, should people come into the office? Should they not? Uh, it, how do you find managing people when they're remote, especially if they're younger people who are just starting out in their careers? Um, a friend, we have a mutual friend who was telling me she thought you had some really interesting ideas on this. And I said, we have to have her on the podcast. Um, you know, I, I think there's a I think we learned a lot during the pandemic. Um, and I think there's still a lot more to learn. And that's part of the reason why I for as much as I'm still learning, you know, we, we have a, a, a scale at Osprey Funds where we say, you know, are we crypto curious, crypto savvy or sort of a native? Right. And I put myself in the crypto curious like I'm, I'm learning as I go. Um, and but but part of the idea of that is like, you know, you're open to all these new ideas. And so I think as we think about coming out of the pandemic, it's important to be open to new ideas about how we do work. Um, you know, and companies are going to make the choices that they're going to need to make. And you can't really sort of force companies to to, you know, do anything other than what is best for the business. But what the companies can do is start to, you know, sort of really think about what that means for the employees, how to bring people along for the ride so they don't feel like, you know, wool is pulled out for or the rug is pulled out from underneath them. Like things like an emphasis on change management, an emphasis on um 
you know, basically like what the environment is going to be like and and how the mix of work will happen. Um, nothing's going to be perfect. You know, we talk a lot about trying to focus our work time in the office on conversations that are really best had in person, things like creative sessions, whiteboarding sessions, developmental sessions, and then maybe thinking about some of the work we do from home as the more sort of like, you know, transactional or heads down work. Um, but it's not going to be perfect. So we also need to like appreciate that like the, the virtual world of doing work is here to stay. Um, and that's where I think about the productivity piece of it, because, again, you bring in your talent and you get them launched to do all this work. And then it's, you know, a good time to step back and say, OK, what technology are they using? Are their business processes tech enabled in a good way that makes them productive? Do they have the right product management software? And those are a lot of the conversations we're having that I think, you know, companies probably need to keep having and then have it for today and then start having it for tomorrow. Right. Like what's the talent of tomorrow going to need? How do we get ahead of this curve? Um, because at the end of the day, it's nine times out of 10. Your people are your most expensive asset and your productivity is really tied you know, to what their their impact and what they're able to deliver. We'll be back with more of this interview after this. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. What do you hear from people regarding either returning to work or not returning to work? Is there reasons for either wanting to be back in the office or wanting to remain work from home? You know, it's a mix. And I think a lot of the um, and look, I'll speak for myself as well. Like I'm I have a mix of feelings about it. Um, you know, I think one of the things a uh, colleague and I used to joke around about before the pandemic is we, we would be asked a question sometimes in an employee survey, like, how's your work life balance? Mm. Oh, that's always, that's the number one question of all mentoring events. Yeah, well, so this is funny. Um, we always laughed because a handle, few of us were also working moms and we're like, oh, my gosh, there's actually a balance. <laughs> we're like, no, it's just the juggle. Right. Mm. It's like, how's the juggle going? And do you feel like all the balls are in the air and are they staying there or is anything dropping? And so I think the more we can pivot to like a more realistic view that, you know, it is a juggle and that's OK. Right. We as employees need to be resilient and need to learn how to develop our resiliency and our confidence to do the juggle. And our employers need to think about like what that means for when the employee shows up at the office and how they can be supportive through either policies or, you know, manager development and then even the culture that they that they created the firm. What about the desire for feedback from younger employees and how that any advice for people who are trying to manage a staff now that maybe they were used to everybody being in the office and now they're not. And one of the most important things, as you've mentioned a couple of times, is how do you retain employees, you know, retention? Uh, and part of that, I think that is feedback. And I'm curious how you think about that, because I'm in a different situation with, because in the newsroom, like we've been here uh, in the building, but we have to because that's like our product. Not not everybody in the entire company is here. But if you are a part of the news production division, then you actually have to be here. Um and I hear some people, managers, especially one, not just here, but elsewhere, as I do mentoring events and I've been talking about everything will be okay, is how to give people the f- feedback that they're craving in a way that is the most constructive and effective and truthful, but it's through a screen. 
Right. So, you know, I think that is an area that we really need to you know, continue to stare at. Um, the idea of seeking out feedback is without a doubt the number one thing that helps you grow and develop. You know, if you look back through, you know, human development, like that is how we all grow into an adult, just through some form of feedback or another, whether it's visual or auditory or, you know, behavioral. And so feedback is critically important. And I would and it would encourage people are in their career, mid-career and late career to be constantly asking for feedback. But the thing is, it's what, what I think um, I've seen that I try and instill in people around me is that it's a push and a pull. Right. The, the employee needs to sort of push the reasons for feedback to their manager, to their colleagues, to others. And then the manager also needs to pull. Right. It has to be a two way street. You can't just rely on the manager to sort of hand you everything that you need to know and have you go away. Um, and then that's the other thing you can't. You know, I, I think it's it's less constructive. It's more destructive. When a, uh, someone who's you know senior to somebody else or a colleague gives someone a whole bunch of feedback and then expects them to go away and make sense of it on their own. Mm-hmm. You're basically dealing with Einstein's theory of insanity because you're sending someone away who's going to more likely than not do the same things and expect a different result. And I say that from a period of, of I, I went through this. So like I know viscerally what it feels like to go away, to take the feedback and then to sit there and think I, I looped on it and go back and just get the same feedback again. And so that's why I brought up the idea of the community, you know, or your network, I guess would be another word for it, is, you know, having that around you, those are the people that are going to help you make sense of it. But you got to do the work yourself. You can't just sort of expect it to be something that's like one and done. You know, these behavioral changes can take years. You know, it took it took me, you know, probably like a year or so to change some of the things I got feedback on that I really wanted to change and some things I'm still working on. Hmm. Um, you know, but I think it's it's one of those ongoing things. And I think managers really and I, you know, really need to sort of do a good job of of being trained, sorry, of reflecting and then also being trained on giving constructive feedback. And that's where some of these ideas that are, um, you know, around psychological safety and Amy Edmondson's book, I think are really important. Right. If you understand what happens to someone's brain when they're under stress or when they're emotional, how, you know, basically like their ability to process and retain information gets depleted, then you begin to understand that if you're giving someone feedback and they're having that reaction, like you're basically wasting your breath, I'm being a little hyperbolic, mm-hmm. but you're basically mm-hmm. wasting your breath. And so it becomes incumbent upon you as a manager to be able to see what's going on in the other side, to listen well, to look for the visual cues, which are harder on Zoom or on, you know, on on our virtual world. And so I think that's where, you know, being in the moment with someone and realizing that, like, you know, we're saying like, hey, let's park this conversation for when we're in the office together or let's come back at another time. Um, You know, just that sort of like empathetic hyper awareness of what's going on around you can really be helpful. Do you have what you would consider um, tried and true advice for people either starting their careers or making that transition from, you know, they've been in in their job for three years and they're moving on up? Um, Is there advice that you have that you always give? And then I want to the follow up question is, is there new advice that you have as you come out as we all come out of the pandemic and you look around and survey the world of work today? Yes, there's there's two things um, that is my tried and true advice. And one of them is always achieve completeness, completeness in your conversations. Um, And what I mean by that is basically 
when you start a conversation, either in your mind or literally written on a piece of paper, there's an agenda and a goal, right? And you're going into a meeting, you know, you guys are in the production room and you have a topic you want to work through. Make sure at the end of that meeting, you haven't veered off into other topics. Did you actually achieve the thing you wanted to achieve? And it can be as simple as a, as a, as a restating of the goal statement at the end of the meeting. Did we achieve this thing? Um, you know, I, I'm a quick side note. I'm working with a woman who I was super excited about and I'm super passionate about this effort who has been out of the workforce. Um, she was a preschool teacher for a number of years, but hugely successful for, before that. And she's coming back into the workforce, which I think is like a hugely untapped talent market. Um, and these are some of the things she's, she and I are talking about, right? Like how can she step in and help manage the conversation, even if she doesn't know anything about it, even, you know, she's new to crypto, you're hearing about it. Like, okay, you can still at the end of the conversation say, did we achieve the goal? And then, you know, that like everyone leaves that conversation on the same page, hopefully with some action items too, but that sort of precision of really marking what happened and what didn't happen and maybe what the next steps are is I think hundred percent, like a key to, to, um, impactful productivity. The other thing I tell people as tried and true advice is really learn how to manage up and out. Mm, I um, love this advice. Um, one of the things I talk about is that managing up is an undervalued skill. A hundred percent. And look, it can be really hard because if you imagine, and I remember when I was in sort of the middle management, moving up into more senior management, you have so much on your shoulders. You have a small team. You're considered a player coach, which means you're both doing work and you're helping other people. And then you've got plenty of people above you who need stuff from you. So mm. in some ways, like it's the hardest time in your career, but that ability and you know, that ability to achieve completeness in your conversations and then manage up, what do the people above you need from you? What do you need from them? I used to joke when I had to sort of a, a quasi chief of staff role to the chief people officer at Bridgewater that um, the chief people officer actually worked for me, you know, and, and because I would go and say, I need this from you. I need that from you in order for me to do what I needed, you know, to achieve my goals. And then of course there's the flip side of, okay, mm. you know, what questions do you have and stuff like that. But I think it's, it's really important. And it is um, to your point, you know, undervalued and not talked about and not taught enough. You know, there is a skill behind it. Is there a way to learn more about how to do that? Like uh, any books that you've read or, papers or I, uh, any place to learn more about that? Because I think maybe that's, hey, that's maybe, maybe that's your book, Reagan. And you know what? It's funny. I've been thinking about it, actually. Oh, good. Um, good. Because I don't <laughs> really, I don't really know where to tell people to go to do it. I mean, I just learned it. Um, I don't know. I guess I just was, I was really just, I think I was naturally good at it, frankly. I, partly because I could boil down issues for the congressman I worked for or for President Bush in a way that was clear, concise, authentic. They trusted me. They could, I could pick up their cues on what they needed to know. And there were even times like I would be watching somebody try to explain something to President Bush and I could tell it was not going well. Mm-hmm. And I was always the person that wanted to help the kid in school that was having struggle, <laughs> trouble answering the, the question from the teacher. So I would find a polite way to jump in and say, here's... Yeah, here's exactly what he means. And then just put it out there for him so that they could have a better exchange because the information was really important, but the way the person was delivering it was bad. So I always wanted to like keep the waters very calm. So that was just a sort of natural for me, but I don't know where I learned it. Um, yeah, you know, I don't have anything to point to either. And I actually just picked up the, um, the table of contents for my book to scan it over. But um, I... I think there's a couple of things to it. I think there's you have to look at it as you might like a maturity curve 
when you first meet someone, it can be hard and it can be really awkward, right? Because you don't have that trust yet. You have to build that trust. So I think that's probably the first piece of it is figuring out how do you build trust with the person that you need to manage up. Um, again, mm. I'm always a proponent of like, ask smart questions and even ask the dumb questions, you know, just ask, you know, sort of get in the flow of like, what does this mean? Or how, you know, how do you best, you know, how do I best prepare you for a, for a meeting or something like that? Um, and then I think you're right. As you move along, you get into sort of a rhythm with people where you can see different cues mm-hmm. and you can anticipate what they need um, or what like, you know, if, if what the person above them needs, what the CEO needs or what, you know, someone higher up in the political stratum need. Um, but I think it's it's mostly just being very thoughtful and empathetic. Right. Like there's a piece of it of just put yourself in that senior person's shoes. You know, or to your point, you know, whoever is talking to the president's shoes, you know, and Mm -hmm. how are they, you know, what body cues do you see or what do you know, what what do they need to be successful? But I'm I'm apologize. I don't have a great answer. I'm no, I think that it's interesting because I I think this is a place where all of us um, that are trying to do mentoring or help our organizations or help younger people to try to succeed, that it's something that we need to learn how to explain better and to teach better. I don't know how to do it yet, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to keep thinking about it, too. Yeah. And I think it also requires a piece of humility where it's like you can't believe you have all the answers. Right. You've got to know that like yeah. there's a piece missing um, and be able to sort of like pull that out of people and have thought through, you know, it requires hard work. Like you have to sort of think through the different the different um, elements of what could come, right? Like if you're in a meeting, like how many different ways could the meeting go? Could the meeting go off the rails? What does it look like when it's going well? And then what what can your role be to help facilitate that? How yeah. can you do you know, pre-game and pre-work and stuff like that? Yes, um, anticipating their needs and having it ready before they yeah. ask for it. Uh, is always very good. That, well, that, that, well, let's move on to the n- any new advice that you find yourself giving more and more in the post-pandemic world. Um, you know, it's one thing, and I'm also giving it to myself, which is be careful with how much you multitask. I was always someone who was, you know, I can juggle 10 different things. I can do two things at once. During the pandemic, I did four things at once because I was on a Zoom, I was on a call, and I was making someone lunch and probably <laughs> letting a dog out, right? Like, <laughs> Um, but as I've sort of come back in and, you know, with the, you know, my, these, this new role and some of the other things I have going on, I'm finding myself actually getting spread too thin. And so in forgetting, you know, small things or feeling rushed about things. So I'm really trying to get myself down to multitasking in like a finite way, which means like, I really only want to be carrying two to three ideas in my head at one time and learning to use different, you know, lists and books and notes and phones to take memos to keep the other ideas so I don't lose them, but not really trying to tackle everything at once because it's exhausting and it drains on you. And then, you know, I feel bad when I forget something. The other night, my son asked for a bagel and I literally walked upstairs and he was like, mom, how about that bagel? <laughs> I just looked at him and I was like, hey, you want a cheese stick instead? Like, you know, it, it can happen. Yeah, I, I was on America's Newsroom the other day. Uh, Bill Hemmer, my co-anchor, was explaining uh, something about the Pennsylvania Senate race over at the board. And so I had a moment where I didn't have to talk, but I should have, I should never stop thinking. But I was daydreaming about something or I was thinking about the show that I do in the afternoon, The Five. And all of a sudden there is back to me. And it was like, wow, I almost fell off the cliff there. And I have to remind myself that I also I need to focus. Um, and just be here. For, you know, can I be here at America's Newsroom for two hours? 
and not worry about the one the show that's going to be you know several hours later in the day. Um, I don't have children to take care of, but I have to tell you, work, uh, working moms, moms, well, all moms work. Uh, it's really impressive all that you handle. Um, do you have? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say it's it's working moms, it's dads. I think at this point, you know, even yeah. without kids, everyone has the juggle. There's always something. It's elderly parents. Mm-hmm. It's you know a a friend that's like a sister that needs something. You know, and so I think we focus a lot on kids because kids are kids. But I think everyone, you, everyone else included, has some sort of juggle that distracts them or that becomes you know the the other thing that you're sort of always trying to balance with. Yeah, my fur kid is called Percy. And he's an eight-month-old Vishla puppy, and this kid has no breaks. No breaks. <laughs> no. I started calling him Kramer because of the way he enters a room. He's just hilarious oh, that's and super cute. More to come right after this. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Is there something that you wish every human resources department or chief people officer would do for their organizations right now? Um, Yes, Uh, that would be really think about what data you have and what it's telling you. Because oftentimes, you know, there's always so many trends out there. We're talking about some of them, right? You know, you can read any headline or journal and some of them are, are highly astute and right on. But, you know, what what often what you can see happen is this, you know, this best practice comes out. Everyone should be doing wellness. Right. Or, well, that's always a good one. That probably wasn't a good example, but a best practice comes out and the company adopts it and says, okay, let's go. Let's go focus on this new best practice. But if they don't really understand their workforce and what matters to their workforce and what makes them tick and what makes them productive, you can end up sort of like overlaying something that doesn't feel authentic. Um, and you and your outside doesn't look like your inside. Right. And so the idea would be when you're when these new ideas and concepts come out, I'd really want the HR people to go to their data, understand what their employees, how their employees work, how their employees feel or how the business works. Right. And, and you know, all of that piece of it. And then uniquely apply that best practice into your company in a way that is authentic and solves a problem you're trying to solve. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's always the change management piece, which can never be left behind because so many great ideas fail in change management. Is, uh, is there anything you're really excited about in the next uh, you know year or so as you look at either the the new industry that you are in or the trends that you see or maybe even something personal? Um, you know, I'm really excited about being in the crypto industry and being with Osprey Funds. I am someone who, if I could have afforded to, I would have probably stayed in school forever. Like I, oh, love, me too. I love school. I love school. I liked <laughs> even. I even like like to play school after school. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So I used to, uh, this is so embarrassing. We're going to say it anyways. I used to pretend um, when I was way younger that I was Laura Ingalls on Little House on the Prairie, <laughs> like going to the schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I loved all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, and so for me, it's the being in a new industry is just, it's like being back at school. Oh, I see. Yeah. I can um, see that. Yeah. And so it's, you know, I'm really, I'm really excited about that. And then, you know, it's also, I'm really being in a new company again, like, 
this idea of, you know, at some point lift your head up and, and what's your plan. And, you know, 16 years is a long time, but people stay longer at companies or shorter at companies, you know, like it's also the new people, like new experiences. And I'm, I just feel like I'm learning and growing in so many different ways right now. And some of it's super scary, but a lot of, like this is, was a little bit scary. Um, this podcast. Well, the idea of coming on. Uh, <laughs> no, this is a podcast right where now. you where you spill all of your embarrassing secrets. <laughs> clearly, yeah, like we're playing clearly, school after school. Clearly, I uh, clearly I adopted the no filter part of the Bridgewater culture. Yes, yes. I mean, obviously, a, a very, that's also a, a very successful company. Um, I guess my last thing would be, how do you manage? Um, well. I, I'm looking at my producer. Let me think of how to ask this question. Um, you and I have a mutual friend and Maura Nielsen. She's going to be a guest on the podcast um, in a couple of weeks. I know. I'm very excited. And I just, she's so bright. And you know, the reason we met is that she informally reached out to me after she read my first book and she's like, this is somebody I want to know and learn from. And we ended up having dinner. We've been really good friends ever since. And then we periodically get together for a lunch. And I find myself at this point in my career, which I'm like established, I don't, I don't even have a resume. I'm like, I don't know people, you, you know me or you don't like that's uh, you can, <laughs> what you see is what you get. But I have committed to trying to make sure that at least once a month I am doing something that is, I would call it networking related. So one, um, in May, no, I guess it must have been April, I had a small dinner with one mentee and two people I consider mentors and me. And then we just had lunch. We just had dinner. Um, and one of the questions that I asked is something that I ask in my book, which is a good way to have a mentoring event or a, even a small dinner or lunch is to ask the question of what is the biggest problem you're trying to solve right now? The biggest one. Like you can only name one. It's really interesting because sometimes it's work related, but often it's not because a lot of us know how to do our work. It's the other things like you mentioned, like oh, aging parents or um, trouble figuring out you know, what school your kid is going to go to, like the big life right. decisions like that. Um, so I wondered how you think about figuring out a way to keep those connections fresh. In addition to all the other things that you have to do, is, is that important at this point in a career to keep networking at some level? I think it's vitally important. Um, I didn't invest in it enough, uh, you know, early in my career and, and through the middle of my career, I sort of put my head down and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a lifer at Bridgewater. I'm going to be here forever. And, you know, this is, this, this suits me. I like this open and honest culture. And, you know, I, I have my network here and I undervalued the importance of a broader network. Um, and I think the idea that you're, you know, doing it once a month, I think that makes a ton of sense. You know, like everything, it has to come in, it has to be manageable, right? If you try and do too much, it becomes a stressor. And so I think for each person, it's like, you have to sort of figure out what works for you. Like there was great advice I was given once by someone, um, not me directly, but it was given on, on, a, on a speech I was listening to where they said, you know, when you meet someone and you want to stay connected to that person, a very easy way is just to, you know, if you see a headline that relates to that person, just send them an email. Oh, my gosh. Always. We used to clip the article, but now you actually can send an email. Right. Exactly. And so it's like, hey, Dana, I saw this about yes. Wyoming or I saw this about your yes. book. Yes. Or, 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 or we were talking about your kid in Little League. I saw this. I mean, it just a exactly. little touch and people never forget it. No. And you know what? We're all on our phones and technology so much. Yep. You know, again, it may be the thing to my point, like don't try and do it in the moment. Put it aside. Do it when you have a minute you know, and you can focus. But, 
you know, um, it's very, it's relatively easy. And then I love the idea. And it took me a little bit to sort of, um, you know, get out there, just being willing to go sit and have coffee with people you don't know. Um, either because they reach out to you or they, or you reach out to them. And more, I think is a great inspiration in that. Um, she, you know, I don't know that I would have had the, the confidence to do what she did a few years ago, but I feel like I would now, you know? And so part of it is sort of reflecting on yourself. Like, what do you, what do you need to get that confidence? What do you need to get there? And, 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 and then pulling the different levers in yourself and others to help you do it, whether it's asking someone for an introduction, cause you don't want a cold call or something like that. Yeah. Oh, cold calls. Horrible. The worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hard. Well, I could talk to you for hours. I really do think that, um, there's something here about managing up that we should revisit. Maybe we'll have our own networking lunch or dinner or something sometime. I like it. I like that idea a lot. All right. Reagan, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dana. I think Reagan and I will have to really think about doing something together in the future about managing up and a lot of the other topics that we discussed. It was great to have her on the show. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. I'm Dana Perino. Everything will be okay. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.